When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Marvel Standom. I am your host, Mike Cicchini, and with me for all time and always, I have Den of Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard and Den of Geek TV Editors Alec Bajalid and Katie Burt. And this week, we are once again talking about What If, and it might just be the darkest episode of What If so far. What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Kirsty, why don't you tell us what happened here? In episode four, Christine Palmer's death becomes the catalyst for Stephen Strange's path to Sorcerer Supreme, but it's a dark path that involves absorbing power from other creatures in an effort to bring her back, because men will literally summon Shumagorath rather than go to therapy. Ultimately, Stephen's choices lead to the destruction of this alternate universe, while Owatsu watches and refuses to intervene. I feel very attacked by Kirsty's synopsis of this episode this week, but nevertheless, let's get right into this. Uh, I think this might be the best episode yet uh, for some, if not all, of the reasons just cited. Uh, wh- where does everybody fall on this one? Okay. I really, really didn't like this episode. Um, I do think that the ending saved it a little bit for me. You know, those moments where we see the Watcher interact with um, Doctor Strange are important or interesting. And I also think that seeing what it looks like when a universe dies is also important and interesting. This just relied on so many of the superhero tropes that I I hate the most, including like the, the, the defining aspect of this universe seemed to be that it just wanted to fridge Christine so bad. <laughs> That, like, that was just an, an an literally an absolute truth of this universe. Christine's character has never been a real character to me. Like, I often compare the first Doctor Strange to Iron Man, the first Iron Man, because I think the movies are trying to do similar things. But I think there are fundamental differences to the, you know, heroes, hero arc in both those movies that means that for me, Doctor Strange doesn't survive. Or doesn't, doesn't survive. He doesn't survive in this. But, um doesn't succeed in the way that Iron Man does so well. I don't know. It just seems like the moral of the story was that Doctor Strange had to learn that his actions have consequences, which is a lesson that most of us are forced to learn as children, and only the most privileged people manage to get to adulthood and not learn. And I'm happy for Doctor Strange that he's able to learn that lesson here, (laughs) but I just don't want to have to go on that journey with him, because I already learned that a while ago. I'll let someone else talk for a while. (laughs) Well, I I neatly split the difference between the two of you because I think the first half of this is the worst what if episode and the second half is the best. That neatly like uh describes how I feel about the original Doctor Strange. I remember I watched Doctor Strange at home, not in a theater, uh and kind of like divorced from the rest of the MCU, so I wasn't really comparing it to much else, but the first half of Doctor Strange 
is so boring and so unimaginative. And it's literally just like Iron Man, but what if worse. But the second half is some of the coolest stuff that the MCU has ever done. The Dormammu I've come to bargain scene is maybe my favorite scene in in all of the MCU. And I feel the same way about this episode. You're right, Katie. The first half is like, Christine sucks. She <laughs> just sucks. There's just there they had Rachel McAdams, which who is one of the most charismatic human beings on the planet, play her in the film and now again in What If. And she might as well be like an NPC in a video game. She's just so lifeless and <laughs> she sucks. Um so like that well, aspect of the story yeah. definitely doesn't work. Um But then when you get into Sorcerer battle, how am I supposed to resist the charms of sorcerer battle? I think these are all valid points. Um, in the MCU, Stephen Strange hasn't been able to experience the huge consequences of his fuck-ups like he has in the comics. So this is a good representation of that. Uh, it felt like it, the episode was obviously created by people who have a lot of love for those comics. Uh, Design-wise, I thought it was right on the money. Um, but yeah, poor Christine. Just, just what a thankless role. In my notes, I actually wrote that Christine gets more to do in this episode than she did in the movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, wow. Which is, which is morbid and horrifying, but also <laughs> true. I didn't even think of this in those terms, and that is because, I mean, you know, this is like a, a failing of, of, you know, my perspective of course i'm just like oh this is a neat way to find a new a new window into the doctor strange origin right and then after that all i cared about was just how wild and supernatural the episode was because i enjoy the first doctor strange movie all the criticisms of it are valid especially the fact that it's like far too by the numbers as a superhero origin story for most of it but the character is still very much an excellent translation of the character from the comics. I've just always wanted to see a Doctor Strange on screen that is less a superheroic part of the MCU and is more demonic and and dealing with horrific, like, shadowy elements in the MCU. And we haven't had that yet. There were moments of that in the first movie, but then right after that, it was like right into Infinity War and right, you know, and, and like now he's, you know, he's your buddy. He's hanging with the Avengers. He's cracking wise with Spider-Man. And I feel like we've missed a couple of steps with Doctor Strange along the way. And this episode gives me that fix. Uh, and all I want now is a Doctor Strange animated series that engages with those supernatural and demonic elements. I'm so glad you like this, Mike. And I, you know, we all have different story interests and priorities and that's fine i think as long as we all recognize that they can be different and i think everyone on this call does but we have this o obeying character um and i don't know if that's how you pronounce it um and he also just lets dr strange do whatever he wants and i don't understand why um maybe people who have read the comics or who, who likes the story more than I did could explain that. <laughs> he has heterochromia. <laughs> That's the key. I don't know of any uh, of any wider significance there that like you know I could shed light on from a comics perspective. Do you, Percy? 
I'm sorry, the guys have come to clean my windows and they're just yelling really loudly outside <laughs> <laughs> the fucking window. And so I didn't hear anything That's you said because they they're, scre- <laughs> they're just screaming at each other out there. I don't, I don't think I've seen him before. Like Wong, I think this was just another character that needed to let Steven get his way in order for them to tell the story that they wanted to tell. I do think that's why, you know, this the ending works so well because the watcher does like subvert that. There's even the point where he's thinking about stepping in and trying to stop Doctor Strange and he's like, "You know what? I don't want to and he won't listen anyway." Um so, yeah, I think that is where the episode starts to take a turn for me and also just having the watcher at the end be like, "No. <laughs> this is your fault." Um I do just wish we had learned a little bit more about this universe or cared about the universe because I this sounds very cavalier but I do think it's you know we should feel horrified that a whole universe was like blinked out of existence but I didn't actually spend that much time hanging out in this universe so I'm sad we all died in this universe but (laughs) um yeah didn't didn't really learn that much about it I think what's interesting, Katie, is that even halfway through the episode, I forgot that this was not supposed to be our Doctor Strange because the events of the Doctor Strange movie played out almost identically, even with the slight change to his origin story with Christine dying at the beginning. um, Because everything else went the same way, I had to remind myself late in the episode that actually, no, this is not the MCU's Doctor Strange coming to the rescue. This is still... You know, this is still like an alternate universe and a variant universe and whatever. I think the MCU has obviously been doing a better job at um, representation and the different kinds of stories they tell and who gets to be a hero. Um, And, you know, recently Kevin Feige came out and said that he, he didn't use these words exactly, but he regrets whitewashing the Ancient One. I think this would have been a good opportunity to do something different with that character. Yeah, this just seemed like a missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity for me in lots of different ways. Someone else say something nice about this episode. I feel like I've been such a downer. (laughs) This is in no way a good segue, but um, I thought it was interesting that this is the second appearance of the Shuma Gorath. Mm. We obviously had a first look in episode one with Captain Carter, and now... You know, it's back, and I'm wondering whether this is like a lead-in to perhaps seeing Captain Carter in live action in Multiverse of Madness, or whether Shuma Gorath is going to be just a recurring sort of character in this season. I think both of those are distinct possibilities, and I think this episode has a lot of potential ramifications for the, the real MCU whether it is, you know, whether it is the opportunity to recast the Ancient One or look, I don't expect Multiverse of Madness to have something like, oh, you're only going to understand this plot point if you saw episode four of What If? (laughs) But, you know, I could see them alluding to a parallel reality where, you know, where where Steven brought about the end of the universe. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Shumagorath pop up in that in that film because that is a character that was introduced in Doctor Strange comics in the 1970s. You know, and I wonder if we're going to end up getting Jeffrey Wright cameoing as the Watcher to, to some degree in Multiverse of Madness now because the Watcher never takes an active role. For him to even address a character <laughs> like this tells you that shit is going down. 
And he's going to remember that, and he's not going to be happy about it. I will say I do like that the Watcher, he's not taking a more active role, but he's coming out from the shadows a bit. And that, I feel like, just ties together this whole thing as a series all the, all the better, um, making him slightly more active. And I just I like the idea of being able to chastise a character at the end of the episode when they've just messed up that badly. I think it works in this context. And I'm just excited to see how he just will make himself known for the remaining five episodes. Uh, I feel like he he will have some sort of arc, and maybe at the conclusion of episode you know episode nine in this season, he will decide that watching kind of sucks. I do also have to appreciate that, like, the, uh, the month of Wong is continuing with this episode. Like, it has been, uh, it, it's been a good month for Benedict Wong in the MCU and, you know, Wong the character in the MCU. Uh, folks are going to be delighted with his appearance in uh, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which, of course, was teased in the trailers. You know, he stole the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer with one line of dialogue. And now here he is, uh, you know, being his kind of gruff and grumpy magical self uh, in this episode. I, I feel like there are plans for Wong in the MCU right now. And I like the idea that this is somebody that's going to be woven more, uh, more intricately and importantly into the structure of these movies going forward. I hope that's true. He's delightful. I don't think there's many people who would hate the idea of a Wong TV series or movie. He's just had such a huge impact, you know. Yeah, I like the idea of like a like a a mystical procedural set in the MCU with, mm. with uh, like starring <laughs> Benedict Wong. I would be I would be very here for that. Well, another thing this episode has is jokes. They literally just reused the best joke from Doctor Strange. Maybe the best joke in the history of the MC. I'm t- the original Doctor Strange is such a bizarre movie because half of it is just atrocious and half of it is perfect. But the best joke is uh, they do the the uh, his name is Strange joke again. How long have you been at Kamataj, Mister Doctor? Mister Doctor, it's strange. Maybe. Who am I to judge? Go this way. Sorcerer Armani? No, it's it's strange. Not any stranger than any other name in this world. And then later on, uh, I think it's Wong says, mystic beings do not bargain. Which we know is definitely not the case, because the entire climax of Doctor Strange is Doctor Strange bargaining with a mystical being. This is more serious. I think sometimes when I talk about representation, I want to articulate to people who... <laughs> don't maybe understand um, why it matters. And this is not directed towards any of you, but I don't know. I think sometimes people think that people pointing things out like this, you can just ignore it. You know, we all have these different things that pull us out and make it unable for us to appreciate the good things about something. And I think for a lot of people um, that can be, you know, different kinds of like poor representation, whether it's a female character who doesn't, feel like they're acting in a realistic way or you know what have you for me especially because those things were so heavy in the first half that made it harder for me to enjoy the things that were really delightful about the second half because I think there were a lot and I liked how weird it was and how weird it got and I also really liked the capes fighting each other so I just (laughs) that's all I have to say on that point (laughs) 
Yeah, I actually, I really enjoyed the episode, but I agree with all these criticisms. <laughs> I think they're exactly right, and um, it's a serious issue. Um, but I enjoyed it probably as a strange fan. I actually really enjoyed the movie as well. <laughs> the first time I, see, I saw it, I didn't. It was very up and down, and I felt like it was going through sort of going through the motions, as it were. But um, as I've rewatched it, I found a lot more to love about it, and I think that perhaps with this episode, despite its you know drawbacks in terms of the characterization of Christine, there was there was um, there was some good stuff here that I really enjoyed. I just always think that this is a character who should be really, really walking the line, you know, with forces he does not fully understand that he could potentially become addicted to, um, you know, and like the thing to remember is that, you know, he's not an inherently good guy, you know, like he really should be played as kind of like the least good guy of any of the central MCU, um, you know, of any of the central MCU heroes. And yet, you know, the MCU, which we all love, does have a way of sanding all of the spiky edges off of characters. So, like, just as it made, you know, Steve Rogers a much more well-rounded and lovable character and Thor a much more well-rounded and lovable character, you know, it's also kind of turned Peter Parker into, you know, into, like, a hall monitor, like, you know, cop wannabe snitch. And it's, you know, and it's kind of turned... Be careful what you say about Peter Parker. I'm sorry, folks, it's the truth. And I love Tom Holland's Peter Parker, but, like... You know, he's a little too eager to be on, you know, to to be a, an authority figure, you know? Like, Peter's Peter's a canonical Mets fan in the MCU, and he acts like a Yankee fan, folks. What can I say? And, like, Doctor Strange is, um, you know, again, he's a, he's, he's a little too... Like, he literally winks and smiles at the camera in, in the No Way Home trailer, you know? And mm. it's great, and I love it, but I think... The, the the potential for danger with the character should be there more and this episode explores that really well with terrific visuals um it feels like it feels a little bit closer to the versions of the character as it was you know created by steve ditko and through some of the darker stories that were especially told in the, in the 1970s it makes me forgive a lot of the other very valid criticisms here I do hope that the Doctor Strange from this episode of What If is closer to the Doctor Strange that we're going to get in Multiverse of Madness than the one we saw in the No Way Home trailer. You mean Mephisto? <laughs> <laughs> Listening to you talk about Peter Parker, um, it just yeah, it just hammers home for me the importance of having different kinds of of hero stories because you know. You know, to me, that character is someone who's more interesting because I have struggled with being a people pleaser. So to me, that like struggle is more interesting versus like someone like Doctor Strange struggling with limiting the corrupt actions he takes as someone who has a lot of privilege. That is not as interesting to me as someone who hasn't, yeah, struggled with that in the same way. So just thinking about all this. <laughs> just something for Feige to consider. Yeah, yeah, if you're watching. <laughs> Kev, and we know you are. Just, no. 
Keep it on the back burner. <laughs> Assuming we don't get a cease and desist from Kevin Feige's lawyers, this has been another episode of Marvel Standom, and we'll be back next week for more What If and more of what the MCU multiverse has to offer. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Marvel Standom. We're also at Den of Geek US and at Den of Geek. You can find us on our web home at denofgeek.com, or you can go straight to denofgeek.com slash Marvel for all of our MCU coverage. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be back soon. 